Hi there, a quick note before the episode begins. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So I had a quinceanera when I was 15 and we had a full court, right? So I had to get like 14 boys and 14 girls. Okay. So of course we have like my cousins, extended family, family friends that are Latino that absolutely, like they knew what a quinceanera was and I danced in theirs. So they were like, of course we'll be, we'll be in the chain, like we'll be a chamberman or chambermaid, whatever they were called. And then I had to explain to my American friends what it was. And one of my friends, Jared, I asked him if he wanted to be in my quinceanera. And I told him what it was. And he was like, okay, no problem. Then he comes back the next day to school. And he's like, hey, I asked my mom if I could be in your quinceanera. And she wants to know if it's like something I have to audition for. And if it's run by the high school. Like, he <laughs> thought... A play. So that was just so <laughs> that was just the perfect like encapsulation of both worlds. And I just remember like laughing so hard. And then, you know, having some of my friends like, oh, I have quinceanera practice. And then like, you know, going to school, coming home, and then like having practices with my friends, and then having like my family flown around the world to share this experience, but then also having like my American friends to share with it uh with me. So that was That was one of like my fondest memories, like that party, the coming of age at that time. But then also like that moment when he's like, hey, I'd love to be a part of this. But like, is this like through the school? Like, do I have to sign a slip to be in your play? I'm like, it's not a play. And people are like, is this a wedding? And I'm like, no, it's like, but like, this sounds like bridesmaids. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's so funny. This is, you know, this is like a coming of age, like almost like, you know, ceremony. And I would say it's like my bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah. And they'd be like, oh, oh I, get it. I get it now. <laughs> That's probably my fondest memory, I have to say. Bienvenidos and welcome to Mija on the Mic, where me, Mija, interviews daughters of immigrants who are making moves in their industries around the world. Today, I'm so excited to invite writer, director, actress, and comedian. I think that's as many as I know that you have. Jacqueline Pereda. 
Uh, Jackie is an incredibly talented Cuban-American writer, editor, and producer. Her show for HBO Latino, Generación Porque, made me laugh so hard that I had to jump into her DMs and set up a meeting to work with her somehow. She taught me so much as a writer, and I'm so excited to share her story with you. Thank you so much for joining us, Jackie. Oh, Lori, so good to see you again. Hi, everyone. It's been so long since we first met at the TikTok diner, right? Yes, yes. In Midtown Manhattan, right by Penn Station. Yeah, it, it was a very New York moment. Oh, two Latinas writers meeting. Um, I remember when we first talked that I felt like immediately that you understood the experience and the mixed experience of Miha really well. So I want to share with our listeners, you know, tell me about how you grew up with Cuban culture. My parents immigrated from Cuba in like the 60s and 70s. And um, they had me in uh, northern New Jersey, in Harrison, New Jersey. And I always like to tell people that, like, I, even though I was in the US, I immigrated when I was six years old. Um, until I was six, I went to like an all Catholic school, and all of my peers were Latino and Portuguese, and everyone came from very working class uh, families, you know, a lot of them children of immigrants. And then my parents moved me to like an upper middle class uh, Caucasian Jewish neighborhood in Central Jersey. So I always tell people like I immigrated. So I went from, you know, being around my peers, children of immigrants, to um, being the only daughter of immigrants in my grade. But yeah, it's funny. My first language learned was Spanish. I learned English in school. And until I was six and I moved out of that community, I didn't know there were other people that like didn't speak Spanish, that weren't Cuban or had Latino parents. So it was, it was super interesting just how much your parents kind of inculcate you, how they really are your real world. Like, even though we were born, I was born in the U.S., uh, my whole world was just uh, my Cuban identity and my parents and extended family. I mean, we grew up, it was really funny. I remember one year in like the fourth grade, our teacher, it was around Thanksgiving and she had a, she had an exercise and she was like, all right, everyone, like, what do you eat at Thanksgiving? Like, what are some traditional foods? And I like raised my hand and I was like, yuca, black beans and rice. And she was like, yes. Okay. Well, Jackie eats that. And all the kids were like, what is that? Like, you don't have turkey, you don't have stuffing. And I was so confused because we, we didn't, I mean, we had turkey, but that was it, but we didn't have stuffing. We didn't have the corn, the avocado or whatever. So it's stuff like that. It was when I moved to like a different um, neighborhood and I had more, I would say white peers that I really, that my identity and my language and what I grew up with was just like really apparent and it was like different than um, everyone else's. Oh my gosh. I had the same thing happen when I went to college because in my, because I grew up in Queens. So everyone else was daughter of immigrant, son of immigrant. Everyone was kind of from everywhere else. And I didn't see that as being strange at all. And I was very much proud of my roots and had, you know, Spanish and English blended and it was fine. But then going into college, I was one of the only sometimes, you know, the only Latina in class or yeah, yeah. the only person that wasn't, you know, white American. And I was othered for the first time in college. Like I, I really re distinctly remember being in the classroom and being like, there's eight of us here and I'm not, I'm the only one that isn't. I'm different in the in a way that I wasn't, you know, exposed to before. And I guess like the reason I love hearing these stories is that, of course, it's universal to feel kind of othered in any case whenever you're going to, to a new community and all of that. And so I wonder what feels like the most home to you in that sense, because you have these two experiences. And of course, you found yourself in both your whole life. But where's home? I feel like 
um, the word like other gets such a bad rap. And for me, I'm so proud of being both. You know what I mean? Like I hold both of them so closely to my heart and especially like being, and I know you know this too with your parents, like they're my heart and my soul. Like you can put me anywhere in the world and I would still be so proud of being American and of being of um, like Cuban descent. But like you said, it's not a bad thing to be othered. It's also a place where you can kind of feel unique. But then it, it still kind of makes you question like, what is home? In this case, like, where can you find home? That's all I write about, Lori. Um, <laughs> I know. I literally one time um, a teacher told me, like my acting teacher, he was like, you're, he goes, everything, your point of view in your work is always what is home? Where do you find home? And I find that you find that my comedy, anything I do, that's just always the undercurrent underneath. Like, where do we find home? What is home? Like, of course, we have our origin story, but like, what do we have to sacrifice from our like origin story to become the people who who were meant to be. That's what I always write about. And it's not even, and I'm not trying to, but it's just something in my life because I think you're always kind of searching and you kind of have to make your own home. I remember Lin-Manuel Miranda said this and felt he encapsulated it so clearly how he was like, if you want to create a writer, (laughs) let them grow up never being comfortable. So he grew up in Washington Heights, but then he went to um, a lot of like private schools And so he had a lot of white peers and then he would spend the summers in Puerto Rico and his like Spanish was kind of like not good. So they'd make fun of him there. And then his friends in school would make fun of him from like being Puerto Rican or whatever. And I was like, that's so true because you're kind of always between two worlds and I can jump so easily. And especially with the Spanglish thing, when Generation Porque came out so many, when I did press for it, many people asked, they're like, the Spanglish seems so natural to you. Like, what's your secret? What do you do? The only answer I had was... It just feels right in my heart, the characters and when they speak. And that's all I had for them. Like, I think they really wanted me to like give them like a Spanish lesson or be like, oh, like, you know, the first five words and they and they switch. But it's no because it's like I grew up the same way. Yeah, like the formula, it doesn't exist. It's just however you kind of forgot that the word, you know, if you don't know the word for parking, you say el parking, you know, (laughs) it's not the word. And just, you know, it's funny. I think the Spanish I did realize like when there's a lot of emotion when my parents speak with a lot of emotion they always only speak in spanish right to express themselves i think like a very strong emotion any character it's like they always kind of jump to spanish especially if it's like their native language there's this thing i I think i once read it was about what is the language that uh, of love for you which is your administrative language and like which is your you know your creative language if you speak more than two languages and so a lot of people if you speak two languages there's always going to be the you know the mother tongue or like the the love language and then the admin language which for us is english <laughs> i grew up with both but my dad especially like it's spanish for me and anytime i hear people speaking out uh, spanish somewhere i always get i always smile and again it's so subconscious i'm just like oh like like that that's home those are my parents but And I think that's our job as humans is to make home wherever we are in whatever circumstances we are. I just think when you're the child of immigrants, you just have to make it since you're younger. I have to say, like, you have to be kind of more self-aware and you have to kind of use those tools. For me, anyway, I felt that. I know. I want to hear about Generation Porque, Generación Porque. 
whichever way you want to say it. Tell us about the story. And then I want to go into the parents relationship because I think that it's something that it's a theme that we touch on a lot in Miha because in the series, it's always about this girl and how her parents are making this huge change in their lives. And, you know, whether the girl is born in the country or in elsewhere, like there's always going to be this kind of disconnect or connection with the parents' culture. So I want to hear about how you put that into your show and how you kind of shaped the, that relationship with the main character's parents. So Generation Book Gates about a girl named Jackie. Nothing inspired by my life, everyone listening. <laughs> no, but it was actually, it's really funny. It was really inspired by my life because I moved to New York. I was the first member of my family to like move out of New Jersey and move to New York and pursue my dream of acting. And I feel like, especially in the West and especially in the U S like, that's what you like the parents encourage you to do, like find your dream individualism. When I told my parents, they were just like, eh. they were like, what, you know, they were like very, very worried about me. And my experience of moving to a new place was just very different than again, all of my peers and everything I watched on TV. Cause like I loved comedy growing up and like, I would watch like sex in the city and like, you know, see like Carrie in bed with Mr. Big. And then I would watch these shows and be like, where are the parents? Like, why isn't her mom calling? <laughs> right. They were so in my life. Like I couldn't shake them off. Wasn't the right word, but they were always kind of just like, you know, like on me and just worried. And that's just the way they are a lot of it. Right. That's kind of like the stereotype. So I really wanted a show to like, um, capture that. And that's really where it came from about a girl who moves to New York. And then she also has a first gen roommate who's just Arab American. And then her kind of like Jackie's struggles to, you know, like assimilate and like be honest with her parents about, you know, her dreams and stuff and kind of, you know, finding her identity in her way. But it really came from loving all these coming of age comedies that take place in New York. And then the parents weren't there. And I was like, my parents are right here on my shoulder all the time. <laughs> and if they're not physically there emotionally and kind of, you know, like, like in your head and like reminding you, like, what would my mother say? What what would mommy say? Yeah, what would mommy do? Yeah. Exactly. And then like, oh my God, you know, getting fired from her job. And then instead of being honest with her parents, just being like, you know, I'm going to do this acting thing on the side. And I know a lot of people, you know, they've done that because it's more, it's easier to do that than like deal with the shame and then being honest with their parents and being like, I... I'm so you know grateful for everything you've done with me, but like I'm going to take this path that you may not be completely supportive or that isn't as secure. I know that's all they want from us. Like they came from countries or situations that weren't as secure, and then they come to like this land of opportunity, and their daughters are like, I want to do something different. <laughs> like I want to. Pursue. I want to do something where I don't know if I'll make money at all. <laughs> like exactly, and I'm going to do all these crazy, you know, you know, and I'm going to like delay starting a, a family and stuff like that. So that's the the heart of the show. And as much as she tries to outrun her parents and chase her dreams, she realizes how much she needs them and how just invaluable they are to her journey and her life. So that's the kicker, right? You're like, oh, if I run far enough away. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, they're a part of you and you need them. I love that you talk about those nuances with comedy because so much of those experiences can be frustrating. They can be strained relationships. There's always a conflict in that kind of experience because the daughters of immigrants will have this burden of knowing the new country better than their parents, right? So you always have this kind of disconnect. And I love the way you do it in the show because you really get the sense that, you know, she's struggling with it and she just, you know, reacts in her own way, but she... She does it with such respect, even if she's, you know, making fun of her parents and, and, you know, laughing with them or laughing at them. There's so much respect in that relationship regardless. And she she cares about what they think. And 
I think that's so beautiful. So I had to message you like immediately after I saw it. I remember sitting in the living room. You know, I don't live in New York anymore. So I was visiting my parents and I was sitting there watching it with my brother. And it had just come on on HBO Latino. And I was like, what is this show? I have never seen anything like this. And I couldn't stop laughing. Like every single scene, it was like a joke after a joke after a joke. It's like, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I, I want to know, like, what is your favorite thing about writing comedy? with comedy, you can talk about really tough things and not preach to the audience. I don't like being preached to like it with comedy just allows, like you see people living their life and then you can laugh and you trust them and you can like open your heart more easily. And also in comedy, sometimes they're in the, they're in on the joke with you, usually kind of like the, the main character kind of a little bit since you're kind of walking in their shoes. So that's, that's my, my favorite thing that I love about comedy, aside from like making people laugh. Definitely recommend watching it. Um, so Miha is all about family and how our families influence so much of who we are. So I have to ask, who is the person in your family that inspired your writing the most? I'll just say my dad is the funniest person I know. His comedic timing and just his quick wit and how he just like observes the world and like he says the observation out loud and he just cuts through the BS. I think comedy wise, my dad is like my biggest influence for sure. I always tell him, I'm like, Bobby, I'm like, you would be like world famous if you wanted to be. And then with my mom, my mom's a huge, believe it or not, like my mom's favorite film is The Godfather. So she really loves like American cinema and like really good film and really good actors. So yeah, it's funny. They both really kind of influenced me. So since you had that kind of education in terms of media and comedy that you were growing up, what who was your favorite, I would say, comedian or favorite actor, writer, anyone who kind of inspired you that you'd seen maybe recommended by your parents? My mom loved In Living Color. So I love that. Show. Remember Living Color, the sketch comedy show with Keenan Ivory Waynes and Jamie Foxx was discovered there. Jim Carrey, Jennifer Lopez was a backup dancer. Like I specifically remember watching that and loving it. And then also Saturday Night Live, SNL. And then my mom too loved The King is a Comedy. So a lot of like the Steve Harveys, the Bernie Macs, like she would watch those because she also really liked comedy. So literally the comedy greats now and the people that left a mark on the culture, she was watching them early on in their careers. She was into the OG. <laughs> yeah, Martin. And then we loved, you know, and then of course, like Full House, like all these really great sitcoms. I think the 90s was a really good era for TV generally. It was also where I was inspired by a lot of, of different shows like Daina. Do you remember that? It was a Nickelodeon comedy about this Puerto Rican indigenous girl living in New York and yeah and she was like going to the fame high school and it was like all about how she wanted to follow her dreams and her family didn't approve of it and I was like that storyline but in the 90s <laughs> and like so many things like that you know the Garcia brothers the George Lopez show like there was a lot of really cool multicultural stuff coming out at that time and I think growing up with that I, I was very much inspired to kind of emulate that but with our shows. Speaking of which, um, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about LCT. Oh, yes. I can read. Oh, my God. Speaking, speaking, of of Spanglish. Spanglish, speaking of Spanglish and 90s TV and 90s audio. Oh, what a beautiful segue. Yeah. <laughs> 
So for those of you who don't know, I created La Cabina Telefonica, a sitcom podcast novella for Spotify. It tells the story of Mati Cardona, a Colombian immigrant who runs a Cabina Telefonica in Jackson Heights, Queens, with her Americanized daughter, Rossi. Together, they host clients from the neighborhood who come in to make phone calls. Each episode is one phone call, one story from El Barrio. And in total, we worked on 50 episodes of this show with Jackie. And it was nominated for the 2023 Webbies. You can binge it all on Spotify now. So, Jackie, you were our story editor on the show and the voice of reason when we were blocked on scripts. Please tell us about your approach to these characters and which characters you connected with the most. It was just so much funny just to make everyone just like the stakes higher, to make them funnier more ridiculous and by more ridiculous it's not making fun it's just like making the stakes higher and it's like what would be maddie's horror right now like what would just send her over the edge if this happened like in this moment and what would she say that would that's really my thing it's just like thinking about the characters like who they are their point of view and then just kind of torture them with conflict right <laughs> like <laughs> torture them with conflict and then be like how would they react and what would they say and you know how would this be even like funnier, even more tender or more heartwarming? When I edit or do comedy, she's like very intuitive. It's like really understanding and kind of like respect. Like you said, the whole respect thing. It's just like I respected every single one of those characters, like holding them like unconditionally, right? Like not judging them or their reactions or mm -hmm. what they would do. Love your characters like you love your family. Yeah, you do. And even the ones that you're just like, oh, like I would never do that or whatever. Like my favorite character, of course, I loved Maddie. Like she's a star of the show, but I really also loved Gadiel a lot. He was just, his heart was really pure all the time. No matter all his drama, like his core was good, was very pure. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm always, because you've met people in your life and they're, their behavior and their actions, it's like, you're so pure and you have such a good heart. But you keep messing up. <laughs> like, you keep messing up, but like, I see your core, like, and it's, and it's good and it's there. It's just, you need a little guidance. Oh gosh. I, I, I would have thought it would be Avogado Perez or somebody like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Well him. Yes. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Like the ridiculousness of it, but Gadiel, I think his, um, some, like his heart, the way we originally like conceived him and the character, there's always something really like the love that was there was so pure. I could tell I've seen characters like him. I've known people like him. So when we were putting together that character, it was like, yeah, he's a lovable person no matter what he does. And yeah, I love being able to put characters like that that are complex, but that have this, you know, warm thing about them. The warmth yeah, underneath. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And my favorite one, though, for me is Abogado Perez. Like, I mean, besides Mati, because Mati, of course, I wrote her and um, she was, you know, inspired by these two women in my life. That was my mother and this other woman who's her close friend who actually worked in the cabinas. And so I gave the name of the character is like Mati for my mom and Cardona, which is the last name of the other woman. <laughs> so it was like, this is a combination of two people. <laughs> But besides that, it was like Abogado Perez gave me the most freedom as a, a like to put in comedy, like actually have fun with something so ridiculous. And I really appreciated your approach because you gave me so much freedom to like think outside the box from what I was like originally conceiving of this character and like going further and like, why not make him write, you know, come in and do ads like for his for his business and like have like creative little puns all the time. Like, why can't he do that? Because I've seen people like that. And again, like it's very much about like a love letter to this neighborhood of people who are all hustling and and like in the most 
endearing way, really trying to get by. And I loved being able to kind of celebrate that with the show. But I definitely had moments when we were writing this and, you know, Jackie, because you were there and you were, you know, on the Zoom calls with us in the writer's room is like the struggle of, you know, being stuck and like not thinking that I can really write this and like feeling like imposter syndrome and like not really being able to, yeah, like no one in my family is a writer like that. So I couldn't even like kind of go for to someone for advice and, and this I'm writing a novella this is I'm not a trained writer in any way but I you know put up came up with the story created the storylines this is my show I had so many doubts about it and you know I'd had big dreams as a kid of writing but I you know I had never gotten this opportunity before so I was freaking out about it and so I want to know like you supported us so much in this process and you supported me and and I really appreciate it. And I want to know how you felt when you were starting out in a, as a writer and like, do you have that imposter syndrome feeling <laughs> and what do you do about it? And like, how have you gotten over it? It's so funny. Not that I'm struggling. I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's the expectations. It's the, it's, you don't want to let people down when I'm struggling. I told this, like when I have writer's block, or I feel blocked, or I feel like I can't do it. It's because I'm putting this pressure on myself. Like when we're kids, I was never like when I was playing with my sister and I was like, okay, I'm the astronaut. And like, you're, you know, the McDonald's worker. I never was like, am I the astronaut? But like, am I like, oh my God, I like, I'm an imposter. Just like kids play, right? We're just like, I'm going to do this. And that's where our best work comes from, where we just let it go. But it's that it's expectations and especially like, oh my God, this may be my only opportunity or like, I feel so lucky. There's so many people that didn't have this opportunity and, you know, everything my parents sacrificed, right? It's like you do this whole thing rather just being like, oh, this is going to be fun, like assignment and I'm going to have fun with these characters and let's see what happens. Like, you know, more loose and fluid, like instead of making it a play date, it's like, we have to get this right. We have to get it done. It's just, mm. you don't want to do a bad job and you want people to love it as much as you do versus being like just trust it like they will and that's the thing like loving and that's why when you said how you said earlier about like I could tell you hold these characters and especially in your show like the parents with respect like I love that because that means I did the right thing because when I was writing it I held them that way too like with that tenderness yeah we don't work in an industry where people are just like gainfully employed you know like you're the opportunities come and go so I think it's the pressure we put on ourselves. And then just the other writers black too sometimes. It's because I want to uh, write something and I don't have the guts to say it. That's like the other subconscious that really happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've had moments of that. And I've also had moments of just kind of being able to accept the process and like be like, you know, rewrite, rewrite, rewrite as much as you need to kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you're great at that. You're like, that's your, you just go for it. Because so many people, they just, they don't want to go there or because writing, you have to, writing is rewriting and you have to edit it a lot and then talk to people. It's like, uh, like sculpting, uh, you know, sculpture, you know what I mean? It's like you cut or like cutting a piece of meat, like you cut all like the fat away, like the meat's there, but then like to make it like the right cut, you have to keep going and manipulating it. And then you get it to the perfect thing. Gosh. Um, all right. Um, coming to kind of what we're working on now, what we're most proud of. I would love to hear what you're like most excited about that you're doing now. Um, so I've been doing a stand-up comedy. So all of my, um, my, my, my truth bombs and my crazy ideas, I used to hide behind characters are now coming out of my mouth that I have to own. And then also I'm working on like another um, film. 
I'm so glad I said this before, like surrendering to the process of these, because again, like when you have success or people are excited to read your work, that pressure, you know, mounts, but I'm excited to just like let it go and continuing and like writing really truthful, like funny things. Yeah. I always think like, okay, calm, calmate, like drink a tea, calma. Yeah. <laughs> like this is everything you dreamed. What are you doing? Don't be upset. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. So we're coming to the end now. So I want to ask you some quick questions and this is like a speed round. All right. And answer as fast as you can without thinking. All right. Oh my God. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> okay. Queens or Manhattan? Queens. Bagel or empanada? Empanada. Oh my God. Eh, ropa vieja or arroz con gandules y plátano? <sighs> my God. <laughs> my, my heart is like Cuba ropa vieja. But like, I love arroz and plátanos con candules. So I'm going to say that. And oh my God, sorry, mommy and papi, if you're listening. Oh my God. <laughs> They're going to kick me out of the culture. You're going to lose your Cuban card. <laughs> Call or text? I'm calling all the time. If you could like write and work on any reboot from the 90s, which would you write? Can I say in living color or no? Yeah, you can say anything. <laughs> in living color. Yes. Obsessed. Because I love sketch comedy. All right. What was your last Google search that you were comfortable sharing? Oh my, no, this is, no, I'm comfortable sharing, but like, I, I, like I need a life. So I'm obsessed with Chopped on the Food Network <laughs> and I've been like cooking a lot. And last night I was like, maybe I can go to culinary school and like looked up the CIA. Okay. <laughs> because I'm me, because this is what, because this is what you do as a writer. You're like, why I can't write, I can't write today. I need to find out the curriculum requirements to get like a, you know, culinary <laughs> art certificate. So I can't write my pages today. That'll be tomorrow. I need to figure this out consciously. And then I can move on. Not that CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, guys. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> the CIA's also is that. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, if you could hang out with any character from La Cabina Telefonica, who would it be? And why? Oh, can I say Isamad, like for short. <laughs> yeah. But then also the brothers. What was the who's the, the Martinez brothers? The the panaderos? Yeah, the suave one, Sebastian. He's a suave one, right? Oh, I want to hang out with him. I want to get from Sebastian. <laughs> Use all his pickup lines on me. That's what I want. All right. Last question. Now, I want to ask this two ways. So the first way is, what is your most embarrassing dream? And you can answer this however you want to interpret it. And then I'm going to ask you, what is your like biggest dream like in life? My most embarrassing dream. I don't even think it's embarrassing, but I look back. Well, first of all, I always just wanted to be a pop star. Like I want to be Chris Angular or Whitney Houston. Like that's like, that, that's still, I don't care. I'll say it. Like I'm only here because I can't sing like Whitney Houston. That's number one. That's, that's the only reason. So we'll do that. Okay. So we'll do that. The second one is for a long time. I wanted to be like a white house press reporter. Like I want to be like the white house press secretary, which is hilarious. Can you imagine me? <laughs> yeah. You wanted to be a pop star slash White House correspondent. Yes. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> and then now I'm like, let let me go to culinary school. Why not? <laughs> I, uh, I think I had the same thing where at one point I was like, I want to be a doctor, lawyer, writer, journalist, all of them, like at once. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like all, all of us, we grow up with this, like you can do anything kind of thing because 
our parents couldn't. So they're like, you can do anything. Yeah. And you're literally like, I'm going to do it all. But it's funny because one day <clears throat> I was like shooting Generation Porque on the weekends and at night. And then I was teaching Zumba at night and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm living my dream. Like I was like literally like, because I want to be like a dancer, actress and like shoot movies on the weekend. I literally was doing all that. And like, I had a day job. I was like, oh, wow. I had like a moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie. This has been so much fun. I have one last question for you. And it's a question for advice. What advice do you give to mijas like ourselves who are scared to take the leap and start writing their stories in any way that they want to? Well, first of all, we have like one life and you have to have like, you just have to go for it. And what I, what I always do is like, I think of my grand, my grandmothers and stuff, like everything they sacrificed for and had to go through. And it's like, if you don't want to do it for you, because you're too scared for you, do it for them. Tell your story because they didn't have the opportunity to do so because of their circumstances. So like you have the voice, we live in a time where we're allowed to, and like we can share our stories and like not get kidnapped and go to jail. So that's the pep talk I give myself. When you share your story, so many people are validated by it because we all go through the same struggles and we all need to talk about like what's going on with us. And we're all very similar. And I love hearing people's stories. Like I love hearing people's stories and backgrounds. Do it through characters if that's scary. Like write fictional, you know, whatever you're going through, put it in characters in like an imaginary world, which is what literature is and which what film is and TV. So do that then if it's hard to just say like this happened to me or like I feel this way. Put it through, hide behind people. I love it. And it's more powerful that way sometimes. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Jackie. Now, tell us where we can find you. Tell us uh, where they can catch Generación Porque. And HBO Latino Linear. So if you have a TV and cable, HBO. And of course, it's on HBO Max. And then you can find me, um, the Jacqueline Peretta, and any of the social networks. Thanks for listening. This is Miha on the Mic, a season of reflection on our shared experiences as daughters of immigrants. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing stories like these and inviting guests to share theirs. Follow us on Instagram at Miha Podcast, that's M-I-J-A Podcast, and leave us a note if you like this story. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This is a production of Studio Ochenta, a Latina-owned multilingual podcast studio dedicated to raising voices across cultures. For more from Studio Ochenta, follow us at Ochenta Podcasts on Instagram. That's O-C-H-E-N-T-A podcast with an S on Instagram. P.S. Don't forget this season is also about you. If you have a story you'd like to share or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I invite you to reach out on Instagram at Miha Podcast and leave us a message with a short story or memory of yours that warms your heart. We'll read it out loud on the show. Hasta pronto. Ciao. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French.